Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Mysterious Headlines. We're going to be diving into a brand new case today. If you listened to the last episode, you would know that there are not any major developments in the Gabby Petito case as of right now. I'm still monitoring that situation, but there's nothing new really coming out of that case for the moment. So we're going to be looking at some other missing person cases and crime cases that maybe you haven't heard of. If there are any breaking news developments in the Gabby Petito case, I will upload a podcast episode with all the information, but until then, we're going to be talking about some other cases. And today, we're going to be talking about the Michael Madden missing person case. This is a very interesting missing person case. So Michael Madden went missing on August 10th, of 1996 and he is currently still missing today he went missing in sandbar flat which is in sonora california when he went missing he was 20 years old michael madden was an outdoorsman and aspiring forest ranger and his friends arranged to meet him for a camping and fishing trip in sandbar flat which is on the Stancisalis River near Sonora, California. And Sonora, California, just for geographical reference, is a a little bit southeast of Sacramento. So he left his family home in his Chevy Cavalier car at 5 a.m. with his dog, Matilda, and he had his car loaded up with fishing and camping equipment, heading out to go meet his friends for a camping and a fishing trip. Michael had been to this area many times before. According to his friends and his family, he had been to the Sandbar Flat area multiple times. Now, this was the last time he was seen alive when he left his family home in his Chevy Cavalier at 5 a.m. His remains have never been found. He is still a missing person. His friends arrived at Sandbar Flat around 2 a.m. on August 12th. There was no sign of Mike or his dog, but his gear was found near a freshly made fire. There was a man named Joseph Tyne who appeared at the camp soon after emerging out of the darkness and scaring everyone. So his friends had arrived at the campsite at around 2 a.m. The next day so we know that Michael Madden went missing on August 11th he left his family home on August 11th at about 5 a.m. with his dog Matilda and all his camping and fishing equipment on August 12th so this is a whole day later or yeah almost a whole day later at 2 in the morning his friends arrive at Sandbar Flat 2 a.m. in the morning. There's no sign of Mike or his dog, but his gear is near and a freshly made fire. Then this man, so his friends are all standing around, like trying to figure out like, wait, where's Michael? Where did Michael go? And a man named Joseph Tyne, he appears at camp after like emerging out of the darkness of the woods and scaring everyone. Now you could imagine it's two in the morning I don't know exactly why they arrived at the campsite at 2 a.m. I'm not sure if Michael 
left at 5 a.m. the following day or the previous day. Why they would be arriving at the campsite at 2 a.m., I'm not sure. That seems a little odd to be getting to a campsite that early in the morning. But it certainly is possible. Maybe they only lived like an hour or two away. And maybe they thought, hey, we want to go meet up with Michael. Maybe he was camping a day earlier. And um, they wanted, maybe they didn't live too far away, an hour or two hours away. They wanted to get to the campsite. And then they wanted to get out fishing early in the morning. It's possible. But that is a question that I have is why would they be arriving at a campsite at 2 a.m.? Usually you pull into a campsite in the afternoon or evening when you're camping. So that's the first question I have. But they're all kind of standing around this campsite. It's two in the morning, so it's dark outside. And this guy emerges from this, from this forest into their campground area where they're all standing around. He was carrying a pistol and he was asking if they were looking for Mikey. And the guy asked what they were doing there. And according to the friends of Michael, this guy made them extremely nervous. They said he cocked his pistol several several times and hung around the campsite for a little while. And they were very unsure about him. Where did he come from? Why is he there? What has happened to our friend? Now, the friends also say that they believed he was wearing this guy, this Joseph Tyne, was wearing Michael's shoes or a very similar to sh- very similar shoe to the shoe that Michael usually wore. It was a brown boot. And they say if it was not his exact shoes, it was very similar to the shoes that he usually wore on a regular basis, which they thought was a bit odd. And they mentioned this kind of looking back and thinking back Michael was reported missing that day and the search began. His dog Matilda returned to the very campsite where the fire had been and where his his items had been four days later. So August 11th is when he was last seen. August 12th is when he arrived or when his friends arrived at the campsite at 2 a.m. So then August 16th is when his dog returns back to the very same campsite where he was. Now, it is said that his dog was very dehydrated and she was not able to lead, or he, I'm assuming Matilda is a she for a dog, but that she was so dehydrated and could not lead searches back to Mike. Um, That had to have been probably one of the first things law enforcement thought of um, when I mean, I don't know exactly how they determined the dog wound up back there. I don't know if, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm thinking maybe that campsite had already been marked off as like a place of interest as they are looking for Michael. And so I don't know that anyone maybe would have been camping there. Um, Maybe police were there when the dog turned up or maybe someone else was there and they called the police and said, hey, you know, his dog has turned up. So I'm not exactly sure how that came to be but we know his dog returned to the campsite four days later and she was so dehydrated and couldn't lead searches back to Mike. I'm assuming as soon as the law enforcement got there that you know or if they were already there when the dog turned up that one of their initial thoughts would be hey the dog probably knows where 
he is. You know, we know dogs have a very keen sense of smell, especially when it comes to their owners. You know, part of training and stuff that dog trainers will do is using scent, like using owner scent to train the dogs that, hey, this is the scent of your owner. And like when people go on vacations and stuff and have to go away for a little bit, the owner can leave something with their scent on it so that the dog can, you know, smell it and be reminded like, okay, this is the scent of my owner. And so that probably was one of their first thoughts is, hey, maybe the dog can go search or show us where he might be. But they said he was so dehydrated and couldn't lead searches back to Mike. Now, from what I found, the dog never, they never tried to bring the dog back out for searches. I'm thinking certainly initially, it makes sense that the dog was dehydrated after being out for so long without food and water. The fact that the dog actually survived with maybe very little food and water is astonishing. But then I'm surprised that they didn't bring the dog back out after the dog had been nursed back to health, had been gotten food and water, why they didn't bring the dog back out to try and have the dog lead them to where Michael might be. Because you're assuming that maybe Michael was with the dog, and so maybe the dog could lead them back to either where he is or where his body was. I don't know. The strange man was given a polygraph nine months later after he went missing, after Michael went missing, but the results are unknown and presumably negative since he was never charged. People are assuming, well, you know, they, it would, if it was a positive polygraph test, and it came back that he was lying um, about questions related to the disappearance of Michael, that then police would have charged him, but they didn't. So people presume that it was a negative polygraph test, but we don't know. The police maybe didn't have enough evidence, even with the polygraph, to arrest him. It's hard to know. Now, Mike's stepson, so Michael... Madden, the man who went missing, his stepson and half-brother said police reports included statements from witnesses who told authorities Mike had been at a cabin near Pinecrest, not Sandbar Flat, the day he disappeared. So they have statements from witnesses saying, telling the police, no, 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 we saw Mike at Pinecrest, we did not see him at Sandbar Flat. So that throws another wrench into the case thinking about, well, wait, were those witnesses actually truly correct? That they saw him in a completely different place? But then why would his stuff have been in the Sandbar Flat campground? Why would a fire have been made? And why would his dog have turned back up there? So that's a whole nother wrench. The sheriffs um, suspect that he was murdered, but the case has has essentially gone cold. They have not received any new tips or any new information to bring this case to a close. So Michael Madden is technically still missing. Now, obviously, after all this time, he went missing in 1996. We're now in 2021. All this time has passed. You have reason to believe that, okay, he's probably dead, but we don't know for certain, and you can't know for certain. Now, there's lots of different theories circling and surrounding this case. The the first theory and the biggest theory was that 
that weird guy, Joseph Tyne, that appeared in the camp after emerging out of the woods and had a pistol and asking if they were looking for Mikey and making the friends nervous that he killed Michael. But again, he did the polygraph test nine months later and never charged. So that's the odd part is that the police like knew this guy, know him by name. They gave him a polygraph test and then he wasn't arrested. So either they didn't have enough evidence to arrest him or the polygraph came back negative, And so they're like, no, it's not him. That's what's really weird. But there's a lot of people that do believe he was murdered by the creepy guy. Some people believe he was murdered by someone else. That someone else was in the campground area and he was murdered by someone else there. And then you have the question of, well, what was the creepy guy doing? Now, he could have just been a creepy guy. There's lots of creepy people that maybe don't commit criminal acts, but still begs to question, why would he have mentioned Mikey's name and said, are you looking for Mikey? How would he have known Michael's name? He's a random stranger in the woods. How would he have known Mikey's name now, you know, there you could, you know, put together a theory that, oh, well, someone else killed him or like, and so this creepy guy like came across Mikey in the forest, like maybe making a fire, starting to get camp set up. And then another creepy guy came and like killed him. And then the creepy guy that was, you know, given the polygraph test waltzes off into the woods and then comes back out and just acts very weird to the friends. It's possible that something like that happened, but when there's a creepy guy involved, you immediately think, well, he's the one that did it. But again, he was given a polygraph test and nothing ever came of it. Some people think he might have fell into a river and drowned. This was a very wooded area with a river and lots of different landscape. So it's certainly a possibility that he fell into a river and drowned and his body has like disintegrated at the bottom of the river. It's possible he could have been attacked by an animal. It's also possible he could have just gotten lost and died in the woods. So there's lots of possible scenarios. None of those scenarios really lead him to being alive. This, what we know of this case doesn't really lead us to think like oh he could have been like kidnapped and he could be like held hostage somewhere when someone goes missing in the woods in the middle of nowhere it's most likely that their body that they've been killed and their body is somewhere in the woods and that's a sad fact but that's generally how those type of cases end now i can only imagine how terribly difficult this is for Michael Madden's family and friends having gone missing in 1996 and they still don't have a closure on this case. Closure means figuring out who did it, what happened, where is he. They don't have that closure. And that is a very, very difficult, I imagine, for his family and his friends. Now, if you think you might have any information in this case. If you were in Sonora, California, in Sandbar Flat in 1996, 
August 1996. Please reach out to the Sonoran, California Police Department. It has, like I said, gone cold because they have not gotten any new leads. But if they get some new leads and information, they will be able to crack, crack this case back open and look back into it. A reason a case goes cold is when they stop getting new tips and leads. And so they have nothing more to pursue. So if you have any information, please reach out to the police. I know it's a long shot, but I'm throwing it out there in case anybody might be listening to this podcast saying, wait a second, some of this sounds familiar, or I know that area. I would, as always, love to hear your thoughts. What do you think has happened in this case? Do you think that creepy guy in the woods killed him? Do you think he was murdered by someone else? Do you think he drowned in the river, was attacked by an animal, got lost and died in the woods? What do you think might have happened to Michael Madden? You can tweet at me, at MYSHeadlines on Twitter, using the hashtag MysteriousHeadlines, I'd love to hear your thoughts surrounding this Michael Madden missing person case. It's certainly very interesting. The fact that there's only a little bit of information, but the information we do have is very strange. I would love if one day there was resolution to this case. I will kind of keep my eyes peeled if I hear anything in regards to this case popping up in the next, who knows, next while and share any new information I hear. But like I said, it's pretty much a cold case at this point. They do not have any new leads that they're processing. And so the information that I shared is all the information that they've been able to gather and they've been able to find. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Chime in on Twitter. Let me know what you think. And I will be back soon with another podcast episode. Thanks for listening.